Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Field, that one's called to the right. Hunter on the move, racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. This is Red Sox beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it because I think it would. It, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. So don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, so we're going to have a ceremony. Like, no, no. Like. Now, to your hosts. All right, Red Sox beat CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your Boston Red Sox. Jess Thomas not here this week. He is on his honeymoon. The dude is married, uh, so a couple weeks off. We were at the wedding. It was a blast. We'll get to it in a second. But uh, I am with Lauren tonight. Uh, of course, my name is Jared here. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at Red Sox underscore beat. Facebook, Red Sox beat podcast, CLNS Media is at CLNS Media on Twitter. Search us on Facebook. Uh, in the app and iOS store, you can uh, app. That's the same thing. Uh, iOS and Android store. I'm going crazy tonight. Red Sox are over. I'm frazzled. Um, and you can find the uh, podcast app there as well to listen to all the networks. Great shows. And yeah, so Lauren, a very disappointing day for you, I'm sure. The season's over. The season's over. It's the saddest day of the year for me. Um, it was such a disappointing game because it had everything set up for them to win. Oh. It had so much excitement to it, not just with Farrell getting ejected, but, you know, Benintendi hitting the home run to take the lead. Devers with the inside the park home run, absolutely insane. This game had everything, and they went and shattered my heart at the end of it. So <laughs> well, we'll get to that in a second. First, I do want to say congratulations to Jess and Bridget for getting married. We were at the wedding this weekend with a few of our other CLNS members. Um, obviously happy to them. They're at their honeymoon. Um, I, I'm going to say it, Jess finally drank some alcohol. It was great. To say, I think he drank some rum punch over there in Belize, I believe they are. It's fantastic. Lauren, it was a great wedding and very happy for both of them. I'm next year, so I'm going to be doing the same thing next year, but uh, it's awesome to finally see them kind of tie the knot. Oh, absolutely. And what a wedding. I I had so much fun. Jared, I know you had fun. It was every, everything that could have been perfect. It was such a perfectly well done wedding. It was yeah. Absolutely awesome. Their entrance was absolutely incredible with the the napkins. It was Red Red Sox themed. It was Red Sox themed. So we can't even you can't even be mad about that. They took a picture. Coolest thing ever. They took a picture. There was a cornfield at their venue, and their photographer, who a lot of us know because we've worked with them before, um, took a picture of them in the Red Sox jerseys they had made with their favorite numbers and all their last names. People in the wedding party was cool. 
took a picture, like Field of Dream style, coming out of the cornfields, and it was amazing. It was, it was the best picture I've seen of the wedding so far, and I, I don't think they're ever going to beat it because I love that movie. Yep, perfect. Absolutely perfect. It was great. All right, enough of the wishy-wash. I love you guys, but we got to talk crapping on this baseball team. So, Red Sox, last time we talked to you all, we were all happy. We were previewing the playoffs. We made our predictions. Boy, were we wrong about the Diamondbacks. Uh, but we'll get to that later. Um, but look, this team, I predicted them to lose in five. Those two predicted them to win the series. And I had my reasons. They had their reasons. But when you watch this series, Lauren, it was frustrating because we had all these expectations. And the way the year went, you know, we the beginning of the year, they, they were expected to be their World Series favorites by far. Or top two with Cleveland to go to the ALCS and fight it out for the right to go to the World Series. And... You saw against the la- in the last series of the regular season what the Astros were. They're a phenomenal baseball team. They're well-built from the rotation all the way down to the number nine hitter consistently through the end of the bench. They're a well-built team, and getting Verlander only helped that at the deadline, for sure. And that, that you know, you can't, he hasn't lost a game since he joined the Astros, which is insane to me. But that being said, you saw some struggles, and you're like, okay, well, it's the playoffs. We'll get over it. Chris Sale comes in game one, stinker. Doesn't even get out of it. He pitches like crap. Game two, Pomeranz. Your guys is Binky, and he I'll get it. He won me over this year. Didn't even get out of, what, the second inning? Drew Pomerantz, terrible. Game three comes along, and Doug Fister, oh, he's our savior. Doug Fister, no, it was actually David Price who was our savior in game in game three. Fister couldn't get out of, what, the first inning, second inning? And yep. David Price comes in immaculate the way he pitched those four, in, those four scoreless innings to get the Red Sox in a good situation. Makes me believe even more if his elbow was healthy, they would have let him start that game. But he wasn't. Came in, Red Sox won that game. Jackie Bradley, phenomenal home run off of uh, Josh Reddick's glove. Should have been caught. It was caught. And then he decided to flick it in the right field in the stands. So that that was the, after the fact anyway. And then you come into today's game. And this is where we kind of want to start really getting into it. Because, you know, we hate them for what they did. And it's stupid the fact that they didn't come out with any passion in Houston. But they showed some guts in Game 3. So it gave you some hope in Game 4. And then you put a guy on the mound in Rick Porcello. Nervous as hell watching him pitch at all game the whole time and let's start with this because why in the world and, and this is not my thought this is jimmy stewart of the sports hub i was listening to him after i got to work why in the world do you let a rick porcello sinker pitcher decide the game plan to be fastballs up fastballs up fastballs up fastballs up every single time and look it worked sometimes because some of the guys in houston couldn't keep up with it because he does throw gas but when you have a sinker ball pitcher whose best pitch is to throw the stupid ball on the ground why are you letting this Houston offense even sniff the baseball in certain situations? No, it didn't give up that a home. It didn't give up like six home runs, but at the same time, the game plan from the beginning was like, "What are you doing?" And when you have a pitch, a sinker ball at that, that's so dominant, you have to go with it. And I was watching him pitch today, and it was just so frustrating because watching these pitches go up. And I know, like, so he didn't give the home run up off a off a high ball high fastball, whatever the hell he was throwing. But it was just, he still gave up that first inning run. And he still gave up, you know, there was still, actually he didn't give up a home run today. But it was just so frustrating to watch because we know what he's capable of. We've seen it in the regular season. We've seen him, regardless of his record, he still didn't pitch horrible this season. But we watched that singer ball dominate a lot of his starts. And then it's just going to not, be existent in this playoff start when in game four when we absolutely need it like it's just it's mind-boggling to me that's the worst part too is like we came into this game thinking just don't give up home runs and he did do he did that like he only went like what four innings but the fact is he kept the red Sox in this game he did what he had to do and there were some times where he had some big strikeouts in key situations 
to keep the damage down, and he was getting jacked up. Like, he was like, guys, come on, like, what are you doing? And I'll say it in a nice way, because we read lips on the TV screen. Like, he was mad, and you could tell he was kind of suddenly directing at the offense, because second inning, bases loaded, nobody out, can't get a run. And They got screwed twice. Okay, um, yeah. I terrible third strike calls. I will give him some defense in the sense of, I don't know what that guy was. What's it, well, who was up and behind the plate? I don't even know his name. Um, Me either. But... I don't know what he was on. Clearly, they wanted to get out of there because of the rain, and they were trying to speed that game along because there were some iffy strike calls to ring those guys up. But at the same time, swing the bat. Swing the oh, bat. Yeah, I mean, it's close enough that I, I don't like blaming umps in that situation. Yes, it was terrible. Manager John got ejected in the second inning because Pedroia got struck out. No, I think Pedroia's was actually strike. It was close. And in that sense, it's too close in a game like this as the little leader that you are in Dustin Pedroia, you hit that ball, you swing. If worst case, you foul it off and you get a pitch you're looking for. And he's good enough. He's been in the league long enough to know that. And I think what he did, honestly, was wrong. Because as soon as he started arguing, he knew that John Farrell was going to come out of that game because he was going to come out and defend him. And at that point, your manager is ejected. And then maybe he was trying to do that. I mean, I praise him. Great. That's awesome. Good. Manager John didn't have to screw it up. But at the same time, if you believe in your manager, you know he's coming out to defend you. And that means you know he's getting tossed because that call was close enough to be mad about. Yeah, and I think Farrell even said after the game that he knew, you know, he was going out there to, to protect Pedroia. Mm-hmm. And he was going to go by any means that he had to do that. Which is the right and, thing to do. Oh, absolutely. I think you should absolutely go out there and defend your players. And, you know, you know, Pedroia being that little leader, I know we're using air quotes, but it's... And I, I like the, the feistiness of Pedroia, but at the same time, it's like... You know, I understand it's close enough to, to swing at, but I also know Pedroia likes those high and inside pitches where he's not going to swing at something like that, no matter how close it is. That's just the player Pedroia is. Yeah, and we'll get to more about Pedroia later, because I, I've honestly I've wanted to trade that guy for a long time now. And I, I think that he's definitely underwhelming, been underwhelming in the playoffs for a long time now, and, and, and so has a lot of this team since, I can't say besides Ortiz, because that's what Ortiz has always done. But look... You move on, you keep going, and then, you know, out of nowhere, Benatendi puts hope into this team, right? You, you move on, Benatendi hits that two-run homer, and I'm, mind you, in my office working because it's the middle of the afternoon because baseball's stupid and decides to put deciding playoff games in the middle of broad daylight. But I was hype. I was like, all right, maybe, maybe Benatendi just did something great. Maybe this is the moment they need. And Chris Sale came in in relief, and look, he was dominant. He was what he was jacked up. He was what we expected in game one. He was ready to go. He he was pitching till his arm fell off. That's what he was doing today. And I give him all the credit in the world for doing it until that home run, which we'll get to. But one, what was the Astros guy? What were the Astros thinking about putting Verlander in relief when worst case you have a game five at home with him starting? Who's never lost? That was moronic. But Chris Sale was your savior today. He played David Price's role from yesterday, and now it looks like, okay, you're dominant. Now you have Chris Sale leading up to the 7th, through the 7th. He was getting tired in the 7th. Perfect. 8th inning, you pick a guy. You have a bullpen roulette out there of guys you can go to between Addison Reed, you have Carson Smith if you really want to, and then obviously you have Kimbrell. It's It makes no sense to me. I mean, I understand putting Sale out there for the 8th because of how dominant he was, but at the same time, you could totally tell that he was getting tired. And, you know, there's so much pressure relying on him. And he's played in, you know, he's never played in the playoffs, but he's played in, like, big games. He's pitched big games before. He knows the kind of pitcher he is and what we expect out of him. And I'm sure he, they, they you know, he just said, I'm good. I'm good to go. But the second, it's like the second you let somebody on base, you got to take him out. And this is exactly why we have Reed. Like, why, 
do we have Addison Reed, somebody who we signed on to be the eighth inning guy, to just bring him in in any scenario that isn't the eighth inning or at all? It just I don't understand the mentality there just as much as I don't understand the mentality of them bringing in Verlander for relief. Um, that was extremely interesting to me because, like you said, there was a potential game five at home where you would want your ace, you'd want your number one guy to pitch that game five, especially if he's going to be on regular rest. So for that, I don't really know, but I the whole, like you said, you, there's a bullpen roulette. You have Joe Kelly, Carson Smith, Addison Reed, Kimbrell, David Price if you really needed him. It, the, the list goes on. And we could have very easily won this game today. Yeah, and it bugs me because, like, you kind of teased to it. You have a guy in Addison Reed who you bring in to be the eighth inning guy. You trade for him. We all talked about it at the deadline. We talked about it on this show. It's you need that guy in the back of the bullpen. You don't have him. Carson Smith wasn't back at that point. Like, you didn't have anyone back there. You had Matt Barnes throwing back there in the eighth inning, and that was the guy. And we, we talked about it, and Reed got traded and said, great. John Farrell even said, this is the eighth inning guy. We just traded for our eighth inning guy. Great. Use him. This is why you got him. You got him to pitch in the playoffs in a big-time moment. He's done it with the Mets, right, when they were good in the playoffs. And this is why you bring Addison Reed in, because Chris Sale was gassed. And even if you want to let him start the eighth, I get that, because he's on a roll. He's doing well. But as soon as he lets up one hit, take him out, because he was exhausted. His stuff wasn't great after that inning. And then you let him give up that home run, which ties the game. Great. Nice job. And it wasn't even John Farrell's fault, which I think he would have made the same decision if he didn't get ejected. But at the same point, you have a guy in Addison Reed who is that shutdown guy, you brought him in for that reason. You have one of the best bullpens in Major League Baseball. As much as I've sat here and crapped on it all year for reasons that I had, you you shirt up the bullpen like I asked. And now you don't use it? You have a guy who's locked down. We always we talked about it. It was you only need stars to go five or six or like a combination of pitchers to get you to the sixth, maybe seventh inning, because you have Smith, you have Reed, you have Kimball. That's what we expected late in the year. Why not use Addison Reed in the situation? He was up. He was ready to go. All you did was let him pitch. It, it's just as bad of a feeling as him giving up the home run as it is Chris Sale. But you have a better chance of getting the guys out with a fresh Addison Reed ready to go than Chris Sale, who already did his job. Yeah, I I can't sit here and put together any logical reason as to why he didn't use him. So, And I know it's not Farrell's call at that point because he wasn't in the game since the second inning, but it's just – it's. Regardless of who's managing this team, whatever inning it is, Addison Reed is your eighth inning guy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've made excuses. I can sit and like pick apart maybe why somebody didn't do this, somebody didn't do that. But not using Addison Reed in this situation, I can't. I can't sit here and pick out any logical reason as to why it didn't happen. Yep. And then you have Reed. You don't have Reed come in. Sale blows the blows the lead. Then you bring Kimberly, which is great. You bring the shut guy closer in, who's been a stud all year. He coughs up the he coughs up the tie game, and then like out of nowhere he looked like crap. He first two pitches were to the backstop, and then you had him go crazy, and then out of nowhere, uh, it was Josh Reddick, I believe, right? He's the one who put the RBI single opposite field. There was two strikes on the guy. You get out of that, then you're okay, and then okay, it's one run, it's manageable. Bottom of the eighth, Red Sox go in order, which was crappy because it was the time of the lineup for you to do it, and then you come into the ninth. Kimbrell comes back out. Great. You know what? Just take a deep breath, Kimbrell. Do your thing. Only one run. Let's up another run. Who is this? Like, what is going on with Craig Kimbrell? He got booed coming off the field, rightfully so. Yeah, he had his uh, worst start of the, the 2017 season at the worst possible time. He's been lights out all year. He had like a 143 ERA, 35 saves, 126 strikeouts, uh, 14 walks or 11 walks. And then it's like 14 walks, 11 runs, or the two are 
flip flopped. I can't remember, but somebody who's been like this all year, you don't expect him to implode the last game of the season when we absolutely need him to be the closer he's been all the regular season. So just to see him blow the game was heart wrenching and to see them come just so close to taking this, it's ugh, this game. It it broke my heart. Broke my heart into a million pieces. Yep. And then you have in the bottom of the ninth inning, it's now two runs. And you have Devers. Um, who was what was the lineup? I'm blanking. It was Devers, it was Vasquez, it was JBJ, and then Pajora came around the top of the order, right? Yes. So Devers comes up, decides to casually hit inside the park home run. Like, okay, cool, cool, bro. Nice time to do that. Um, but of course, because Kimbrell couldn't get his act together, that one run lead, which would have been a tie game with an inside the park home run. Imagine that story, Lauren. Out of nowhere, the Red Sox bullpen blows it, Chris Sale blows it, one run lead. The kid, out of nowhere, comes up, has an inside-the-park home run to tie the game. You probably go into extra innings at that point and probably a force a game five because of the way that stadium would have been rocking. And the stadium was crazy when he did that. But oh yeah, because the stupid bullpen can't do what they're supposed to do or didn't even get the right opportunity to do what they're supposed to do. Now it's still a one-run game because of that. And then the bottom of the order is terrible, so they go out in order because Pedroia's hitting like crap. JBJ and Vasquez aren't reliable enough in that kind of situation. And there you go. The season's over. So... Overall, this game had a lot to it. The series was pretty exciting for Game 3 and 4. Games 1 and 2 was a joke. But overall, terribly disappointing, Lauren, and there was no hope in the ninth inning because of the way the bullpen pitched and the way the fact that Addison Reed didn't even get a chance to save the game or have a possibility in the eighth inning to do what he needed to do. No, and we got to go back. You know, the base running, too, was absolutely horrendous. There's, And I know we've been aggressive. They've been aggressive all year. There's to- there's a fine line between aggressive base running and stupid base running. You don't send Mitch Moreland, one of your slowest players on the team, with two outs. You don't send him around from second to try to get to home on a game where in a game where the next batter would have been tied and when Andrew Benintendi hit the ball. So it's a lot of mistakes were made, yes, but it still had a lot, but you can't discredit this base running because it was just absolutely awful in this game, too. It's in big chances, not just, like, the casual, like, oh, whatever, you got thrown out in second. Like, there were big opportunities that they just couldn't capitalize on, or they made stupid decisions, which is like, oh, my God. Well, you look at it, that's in the, it was early in the game, right? You know, Houston takes an early lead, Porcello gets out of it. Xander Bogarts comes in, oh, for the last thousand, and decides to hit a home run to tie the game. Great. Finally. He comes out of nowhere. Let's take a reset button. And then they get another run in the 2-1. I'm like, okay, Porcello pitches out of that. And then you get to the situation where it would have been first and third with two outs. You have the kid coming behind um, to, in terms of Rafael Devers. And you decide to send the slowest guy on the team, if not one of the slowest guys on the team, to try to score when the ball was bar- barely makes it to the left field. And think that's a smart play. And when Rums have been at a premium this year, this is when the aggressive base running. I don't mind aggressive base running, but that's dumb base running. Yep, and it was just perfectly showcased today. And you know, I'm I'm all for aggressive base running. I absolutely love it. But you, you got to be smart on the base path. You can't be. And you know, the Benintendi getting picked off at first out in the JBJ liner. There, there was Mitch Moreland going around from going from second to home just a lot of bad mistakes that really cost the Red Sox some runs and it could have been a whole different ball game had they just been smarter with it so Lauren I want to ask you this because obviously this game had a lot to it and Rick Porcello started and didn't do much but he did keep you in it and the offense didn't do much for him but the one thing that kind of got me was they weren't going to start Chris Sale today they stopped the consideration because of the rain and the possibility of not being in the whole time because of the long wait which I get 
But then you let Chris Sale pitch for four innings, which he did well, and it was the right choice. But why couldn't he have just started the game? If you knew that he was going to be available to pitch four innings with that much time, and you knew the rain was a possibility as soon as you put him in. He was already up. The rain was a possibility. They said they had that window to play in, which, thank God, it actually didn't get rained out, even though it probably would have benefited them a little bit. But, look, why why in the world? I understand that you want Chris Dale to maybe have the opportunity to come in relief in case you need him or you want him fresh for Game 5, but there is no tomorrow. Now the season's over, and you let Rick Porcello go out there when he probably shouldn't have. I would have started Chris Sale because at this point, if the if the radar says okay, and you're going to think about pitching him later on anyway, the rain's only going to get worse. So if you're going to let Sale pitch in the third inning, why not just let him start, redeem himself, and maybe you have an early lead, and maybe, maybe this changes. And that's something that I look back at, and I don't know about you, Lauren, but I would have started Chris Sale today. Yeah, I mean, I understand wanting to pitch him potentially in a game five situation where he could be on, you know, five days rest, blah, blah, blah. There's all these excuses, but I feel like in a do or die situation, you go with Chris sale. I don't understand. You know, I understand not being on regular rest. I understand the fatigue and wanting to really be careful with him because he is your ace. He's your number one guy. But that being said right there, he's your number one guy. You got to go to him. You're, on the brink of elimination, if you can get at least four innings out of him, like you did today, if he if he did what he could do today, and then the bullpen, you know, did what they've done, they would have won this game. I, I I wholeheartedly believe that. Even if you flip it, like because you know you have Drew Pomerantz behind Chris Sale, as much as he wasn't good, I still would have trusted Drew Pomerantz in a game five, especially seeing David Price would have been available. Right, David Price would have been able to pitch a game five if he needed to out of the bullpen, especially because it would have been do or die at that point. If you start for sale and he goes five, six innings, if you really need someone to relief longer, it's put, then put Porcello in, right? Because then you only need him for an inning or two. Maybe you can get out of a stretch, but now you're trying to rely on this guy to pitch consistently, and that's not going to work. If you flip it, it just changes the mentality. Chris Sale can be that bulldog, go in, start fresh. Have Rick Porcell if you need him, but if Chris Sale comes out and pitches well, now you don't have to see Porcell touch the mound, and then you can use the bullpen. And this goes back to me believing that the fact that they put the best bull, one of the best bullpens together in the league and pieced together at the deadline, Addison Reed, Carson Smith came back. Lauren, it all goes back to the fact that they just didn't trust their bullpen, and that showed because Chris Sale had to come in and they wouldn't put Addison Reed in. And if they really trusted their bullpen, Chris Sale might have started today. Yeah, and like you said, it, there's no trust, and... It goes to show, I mean, I understand David Price has been phenomenal out of the bullpen, but you have to, Carson Smith, like, why wouldn't you trust him? He's been fine all season. Addison Reed, your eighth inning guy, he doesn't see the eighth inning. So, and there's a lot of questions surrounding this team going into the offseason, but, I mean, especially just, like you said, I mean, there's, I don't get it. There's no trust in this bullpen, in a bullpen that's been absolutely dominant all regular season. Even before Carson Smith, I know there were some struggles here and there, but and the whole Matt Barnes thing, but I mean, I thought Farrell really made a statement by not putting Barnes on that roster and really putting trust into the guys he chose. Yep. And obviously, it's just like, oh, okay, you obviously didn't. And what else doesn't make sense is, and I want, we can dive a little bit more into this too, a little bit in a second here, because I want to talk about John Farrell as a whole, but why in the world did it take until Game 3 to have Hanley and Devers both be in the starting lineup? Hanley wouldn't have played Game 1 if it wasn't for um, Nunez getting hurt, which we all could have seen coming. Hello. Um, Hanley Ramirez then gets to come in and play, and, and he was good. And, and then Devers didn't start Game 2, which I don't understand. And they put Mare- they, let, they let Devin Marrero play on the road in a playoff game when you have Rafael Devers sitting on the bench. And then finally, finally, after you could lose a couple times, 8-2, 
then does it make sense to let handling endeavors play together? And oh my god, look at that. They were the reason why he won game three. And look at that. Again, Hanley went four for four. It's game five. I mean, game four. Devers comes out of nowhere. Good hit. Inside the park home run. Hanley rakes. Shocker. There. I, I don't understand. I, he can try to explain all he wants, but this is one decision that really set them behind, and I don't. they obviously couldn't recover. No, and I, I wish I could remember who tweeted this out, but if they were on vacation, and whoever tweeted out was like, I just got off a plane, and I... I come to find out that Devin Marrero is starting a playoff game. Like, what a time to be alive. Yeah, I remember seeing that. I don't remember who it was, but... I'm just like, this is... It's so true. Like, you have... Like, why are you sitting Devers and Ramirez? Ramirez is... I understand, like, he's not Mr. Clutch. He's not David Ortiz. He's your best hitter, though. He's your best hitter. And this is the thing where it's like, if he's going to... if, If he... If you need to let him produce, you need to let him play. He's not going to be able to just come in and expect a big hit. Like, no, he's going to be pissed off. And, you know, it showed when he started hitting the ball in the game where he wasn't benched all of a sudden. And, you know, it's just this whole thing is extremely frustrating. And I don't like I don't know. I I don't know what to do about like Ramirez in the whole. I don't I just don't know what to make of it. I don't. I, I want to be inside his head, Farrell's head, for one day. <laughs> oh, God, one day. I, don't, I don't want to know what's going on in that head. But because I don't know if there's anything up there. But look, Hanley Ramirez is clearly your best hitter, which is not good considering the way he played all year. But that's what it is. He's your best hitter this year because you didn't go and get a bat. You didn't even make a run in Carcion. And now this is what you were dealt with. And I think half the reason why Hanley didn't have a great year overall was because of the fact that he didn't have Ortiz. Look, and it's not just because of the leadership. Ortiz was the guy that helped Hanley get more pitches, helped Hanley be more consistent because they knew that not pitching to Ortiz meant going to Hanley and vice versa. It was like that. It wasn't as successful, but it was like Manny of Manny and Ortiz back in the day. It was a one-two punch that you didn't want to pitch to. So this year, Hanley has that opportunity in the game. And yeah, we can call him not clutch all you want, but the dude cares. I'll give him that. He comes out with that Believe in Boston flag. He puts out there that he'll cut his dreads if they win the series. Like, and I would believe it. He probably would have done it. But I overall just think that this guy cares. And I'm, I'm very excited to see him play next year, especially if they can get him a bat to go alongside him. And which they really need to do. But I think overall, Hanley gets screwed in the situation. And yeah, maybe it was to do a little wake-up call. But I don't think Hanley needed a wake-up call. He just needed an opportunity. Yeah, I think that's that's what it is. I mean, we kind of knew what we were getting with Hanley. Um, we saw him, obviously, a disaster in left field. But then we really saw him have a lot of fun at first base. So I know we had really high expectations of him going into the season where we knew he was going to be more of a DH and a first baseman. But he needs that opportunity to just come up clutch and I just feel like he's very I mean he's an emotional player in the sense where if you're gonna bench him he's gonna be like okay whatever like I'm not gonna if you put me in I'm just gonna half-ass everything and just kind of do whatever but if you play him and you show that confidence in him he's gonna be like okay then I'm gonna produce for you kind of thing like I hate thinking that way about players but in a sense it's Hanley we know we know how he is we kind of know who he is but we also know he's like super passionate about the game you know we saw the believe in boston flag we know he's we've seen his reactions to walk-offs we've Mm -hmm. seen him come up we've seen him come up clutch before so it's just he's just a whole different character to try to figure out in and of itself but see that's a good thing i love the character of hanley and i think that with the right lineup surrounding him he can be that great player he can't do it on his own he can't be the guy with the only being the only bat in the lineup now next year maybe can devers protect him a little bit more because of the way he potentially can play yes but I think they need to go out and get a bat to help him. And I don't think, you know, Sam Travis might play next year if Mitch Moreland doesn't come back. But And that, that's all. This is all stuff to talk about down the road in our offseason shows. But 
I, I think the fact is that Hanley cares. I think the, even though he didn't come up big, you know, all the time, this series showed that he cares in big moments and he wants to be here. And I think he's going to stay here. I think you're going to keep Hanley in around to be your DH and moving forward. You know, mix and match, maybe play some first. Who knows? Depending on what happens next year, but. Um, you know, look, the Red Sox season's over. I, I do want to keep talking John Farrell, but obviously football's here, and we can play some fancy football, which is amazing, because I, I actually won this week, thank God. Uh, but if you didn't win, you can go to FanDuel, and guys, it's free. You know, you're starting at $1. You can play some other contest, but if you use our promo code RedSoxB, you're going to play for free if you're signing up. So, you know, it's for everybody fans. New contests starting every week. You're not going to have those busted seasons. All you got to do is pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score real time. I did not do well with FanDuel this week. I'll tell you that right now, because... Because, man, did I pick the wrong people. But it doesn't matter. I'm not stuck with them, right? I'm going next week. I'm playing somebody else. And I think I finished next to last in our listener league. I will admit that over the air. Uh, it doesn't matter. Because next week I can finish first. And with different players, who cares, right? Lauren, it's fantastic. And it's a nice way to especially distract us from Red Sox being done. Oh, absolutely. And, it you know, it takes away. I have the Houston's defense in one of my season-long leagues. So Ooh, JJ Watt, bye-bye. Yep. Just goes to show that these busted seasons I've had, I'm in four season-long leagues, and these injuries are just killing me They're this year. Piling so up. Same here. That's the beautiful thing about FanDuel, where it's like, I had Greg Olson one week, and I was like, nope, bye. Like, sucks to be you. <laughs> like, speedy recovery, but you're not going to be on my team next week, so it's okay. Yep. But nope, FanDuel's great. I don't care how bad I do in our listener league, <laughs> but it's, I don't have to worry about it, because next week, I'm like, oh, okay, brand new team. New week, new team. New week, new team. It's a great model to have with FanDuel. Uh, over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing fantasy sports on FanDuel. All you got to do is sign up today on FanDuel.com, click the Join Now button, and use our code RedSoxBeat. You have to try FanDuel for free with no deposit required. You visit FanDuel.com, claim your free contest, and play for a share of $10,000. Just sign up for using our promo code RedSoxBeat. Uh, that's FanDuel.com, promo code RedSoxBeat, void where prohibited, and it's been fantastic for everybody playing along. And like I said, doesn't matter if I was next to last. New team, new week. Love that motto. Um, let's keep the Red Sox conversation going because this is the guy that I've been waiting to talk about. And this is great because it's a bunch of, it's an I told you so party, but... John Farrell, Boston Red Sox, 2018. What do those words mean to you, Lauren? Oh, boy. Um, well, I know I've been a huge John Farrell advocate for, for years now. And there's no there's no shame in my game where I'm, like, pro-Farrell, like, yes. but And I know we can, we, can, we hit a crossroads with my grandmother got off the John Farrell train earlier this it's when season. You know. It's when you know. So, it is when you know. She's She knows her stuff. So I'm very, very torn because I'm not on the Fire Feral bandwagon. Um, I support it. I can see why. I just, I find it very hard for the Red Sox. Now, you know, they want a playoff game. Um, and Farrell's ejection really showed that, you know, he they can sell that. They can really be like, oh, this manager cares about the team. They're going to sell that. And I do think at the beginning of the season, he's going to be the manager. I don't think... I think he's going to be on the hot seat. And I'm talking like if this team starts like, Oh, and three, he's out kind of thing. Um, it's, it's really hard to fire a manager who goes back to back ALEs titles. It would be easier to fire him if they went back to back ALEs titles and swept out of the division series. No doubt in my mind, he would have been fired if that happened, but he came out, he showed emotion. He got ejected. You know, they won one playoff game, which it, it didn't get a quality start from your starter, but he needs to do something. I, this team does need a change. It needs it needs a serious change. And I don't know if that starts with some of the players. I don't know if it starts with the manager. But 
it, it's frustrating to see Farrell lead this team to an ALEs title again just to get get knocked out in the first round. It, that's not how it's supposed to happen. It, it's, we're supposed to get heartbroken in the ALCS or get heartbroken in the World Series. Mm-hmm. So I, I think he's going to be the manager. I think it's... It, Pedroia did say something interesting today that I think Evan Drellick asked him if he thought Farrell would be back. And all he said was Farrell did a great job and we respect him. So very interesting answer because he completely avoided the question. Oh, big time. But again, you're asking Pedroia, somebody we know is probably not the biggest fan of Farrell. He's had problems this whole year with you know the whole Eckersley thing and that whole that whole debacle. But ugh, Red Sox, John Farrell, 2018. I think he's your manager. I think I think he is, and it's not not because I'm Mister I'm Mr. John Farrell over here. Like yeah, like but it's because you you it's so hard to fire a guy with with his with what he's accomplished. And I know he's had crappy seasons, but after, especially after the World Series, there was really not much to celebrate until you know last year. But it's uh, it's going to be a very very interesting off season. There's a lot. There's a lot that goes into this kind of decision, and I'm not surprised by your answer. But there's really two options for the Red Sox. We know we all know my stance. It's bye bye, see ya, have a good life. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. But they really have two options. It's you fire him now, and you let the party begin, or you give him an extension and, and stay behind, because there's no more of this. Coaching on one year, dwindling, getting one-year extensions and seeing what happens, it can't because there's too much uncertainty. If the players know this is the guy, they got to buck up and respect him and play for him. If he's not the guy, kiss his ass goodbye. That's that's the way they have to do it because if if they believe in him enough, if Dombrowski wants him here, I think Dombrowski wants him here because the scapegoat for any mistake he makes because everyone hates John Farrell so much that if he can do a decent job and they can bring in talent, then anything that goes wrong, it's John Farrell's fault. Which you notice, right? Not that many people are blaming Dombrowski on any of this. Most of the people are blaming John Farrell for mismanaging this team this year. Now, people who watch the game, like we do, might put some crap on Dombrowski for trading the farm or not having a bat on this lineup. But again, most of the blame goes to John Farrell as the manager. So I think there's two options. You, you give him that extension, you make him your guy, and you stick with him, and then you say, players, this is it. You deal with it. This is who our guy is. Or you, you, you say goodbye now. You deal with it, and then that's step one to moving forward to getting a new bat, getting another pitcher, get helping this team progress forward because Houston's a better team. They went out and got Verlander. You probably could have went out and got Verlander. Didn't, they didn't pay that much for the guy. And yet Houston goes and gets him, shares up their rotation, and boom, look at that. They're going to the ALCS to maybe face the Yankees. Who knows? They're going to a game five. They did what they were supposed to do. So, look, this Red Sox team just needs to figure out what they want to do and what they want to be. If they really believe in John Farrell that much, I think it's the wrong decision. Sign them. Make them your manager. Ignore it and just stop the, the questions. Because, Lauren, you, I know you agree with me on this. It's every time you give him a year and by year, it just makes it more confusing for him, for us as media, fans, as well as the players. Because you have Pedroia, you have Hanley, you have these guys who have been here under Farrell who don't like him, aren't, aren't sure if we play well, is he going to stay? If we play like crap, is he going to get fired midseason? Like, if there's an extension and they disagree with him, well, they know, crap, we got to figure this out because he's our manager. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's another year, and it's, you know, I know he's a player's coach. I know, I don't want to say he lets the players walk all over him, but in a sense, he does. And, you know, but I do think the players respect him. I do think they, that they do understand that that's their coach. I just don't think Farrell has a strong enough voice for the group of guys that he has, and it's starting to become quite evident. Well, of course he doesn't. Look what happened with David Price. That wouldn't happen with most people. 
If, that, yeah, if no. that wouldn't have happened there, Cheeto, that wouldn't happen with Bobby Valentine as much as I hated the guy. Like that wouldn't that wouldn't have happened with David Ortiz here either. No, yeah, David Ortiz not being here is a big thing with that leadership. But that also shows to you how much factor the fact that John Farrell isn't a leader in the slot boss. The fact that David Ortiz needs to be here for that to happen. When you have a management, their staff, someone should have stopped that. And the fact that it needs David Ortiz to do that, that's where I that's where I say okay, there needs to be some changes. So let's play the game that they do fire the guy because it seems like that's kind of where they're going. Um, and if they don't, we can obviously recome assess. We're going to have shows all off season, so we can reconvene then. But let's play the game that they do fire the guy. What's next? Because you look up and down this lineup, Hanley is your best hitter. The offense was stagnant all year. They they couldn't get runs in good spots. They, they could they were last in the league in home runs by a wide margin. In a year that I think Major League Baseball, I'm pretty sure I heard this earlier, that saw the most home runs in the history of the league this year in one season, and the Red Sox still couldn't produce hitting home runs. They didn't hit a grand slam all season. They didn't hit a grand slam all season. They couldn't do it today with the bases loaded, nobody out. They have nobody in this lineup that can hit home runs. I think like one guy was hitting over 300 on the year. It's one of those things where the pitching isn't the problem. And that's one thing we've been complaining about for years. It's the pitching. They fixed the pitching. They shirt up the bullpen. They have starters who are comparable. And you're going to get Steven Wright back next year. You're going to have healthy David Price on another contract. He's got at least one more year in the Red Sox uniform. Sorry, fans. You've got to have to deal with them. And I don't mind if he's healthy, right? If he's healthy, he still technically still has like four more years on his contract if he decides to stay. So I overall think that the next step for this team is find me a hitter. Yeah, and there's plenty out there that are going to be free agents after the playoffs. There's a lot. There's a lot riding on this offseason. We know we need that bat. We need that power hitter. You know, we go through this lineup and we don't have anybody who's a real threat. It's not like, oh boy, he's coming to the plate. Here we go. You don't. They don't have that David Ortiz factor where mm-hmm. they're that they're nervous to pitch to him. You know, I think, you know, Andrew Benintendi is going to give some of that threat in a few years as he gets older and matures more and and absolutely Devers. I just, as they mature and get older, that they're going to be not, not that huge threat, but there's still going to be a big threat coming to the plate, but they don't have, they don't have a Stanton. They don't have a, a Mike Trout. They don't have a Bryce Harper. They don't have, I mean, they have Hanley Ramirez, but they he doesn't produce that kind of threat the way that you know Harper does coming to the plate when he's healthy. You know, st- you know, I'll throw Stanton out there because I know that's going to be a big name this offseason. Mm-hmm. They don't have that big threat, and I feel like every team has that person, and it's just like, oh, it's the Red Sox. They don't. And yeah. They have good. They don't. Ha- they have good players. We but had, they don't yeah. have. We had threat. Ortiz, and he's gone. That's who our threat was for years. And this is something that the team's not used to, right? They, they've they've been set at that spot for years. With with Manny Ortiz, you know they, they were set. They've always they've been set since Ortiz got here, and they haven't had to worry about it. They could build around Ortiz, put people behind him. Like Hanley and Ortiz were fine. Devers and Ortiz would have been fine. Like you know you have Ortiz, not here now. What? And you really have to decide. Do you think you can get Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, and as free agents? Probably not. Bryce Harper is probably pretty set in going to the Yankees, if not staying with Nationals, depending on how oh. they do between now and then. It's a realistic possibility, right? You know, I know, um, it is. And it hurts, but at the same time, Red Sox ownership knows that. Dombrowski knows that's a possibility. Don't you want to get ahead of the Yankees? Either trade for him now or get something to make your lineup worth it? Because if you put Bryce Harper with Gary Sanchez and Aaron Judge, hello, bye-bye, you're, you're going to be second for a long time. I would say World Series champs for the next like four or five Seriously, years. That, Easy. That, that's a rebuilt dynasty. That's a rebuilt dynasty if Bryce Harper signs with the Yankees. So that's scary. You have to keep up. And Bryce Harper's a free agent after next year. 
So he has at least one more year, and so that's the same year Machado's up. So really, it's a decision of, do you wait and see what happens? Or do you jump and maybe either offer a trade to try to get Bryce Harper in Washington now if they really think he's leaving? Or you trade for Giancarlo Stanton? Now, out of those three, Stanton, Harper, Machado, who would you rather? Uh, Stanton, I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, I would I'd love to have Harper here. I know I crap on him as a person, but I think he's a oh. fantastic baseball player. Having the you Florida Red Sox that. uniform? Oh, my God. Oh, my oh. God. Him and Benintendi? Oh, the Flow Bros. Flow Brothers. The, not even the Bash, but the Flow Brothers. That would, yeah, be, a, like, that would be a t-shirt waiting to happen. Oh, that would be – I'd want to see those hair flips all day. Oh, but and they I mean, all play in the outfield? It'd be a nice dance party out there with the Flow? It'd be great. Oh, Let's see. Now, now I really want Harper, but Har- I think Harper, that, Harper, Mookie, and Benatendi all dancing in the outfield. How fun! That I'm would in. be a lot of fun. I'm in. I'm sold. I, I think you just sold me, but I think you know. At the end of the day, I I want Stanton here. I know there were kind of talk about him coming at the trade deadline, and it was I. It was right after either the Celtics got Kyrie. I'm pretty sure it was right after they got Kyrie, and they when they traded for for Nunez, and everyone's like, oh, that they they traded for uh, for Stanton. There's got to be something like it's huge, blah blah blah, and obviously it was just, you know, Eduardo Nunez, who's somebody else that the Red Sox have to consider for next year. But I think out of those three, I'd want Stanton. And it's because, you know, he's hit like 113 home runs this season. He has, you know, just that, that threat. Like you said, I mean, those three guys all have threats to their name, but Machado just had an outstanding year. I mean, all those home runs, all those RBI, he just had, an absolutely fantastic, phenomenal breakout year. I want him. Get him here. I would love to see him in a Red Sox uniform. God, imagine how he, he hits in Miami right now. That that feels huge. Imagine what we do at Fenway. Are you kidding me? Oh, God, he'd have 113 home runs. He'd, he'd ever get that would be a home run. No, look. I think there's a lot of questions surrounding this team. You brought up Nunez. That's a great guy to talk about, and he's going to be talked about all off season because it sounds like he's going to avoid surgery. That um, I think a lot of them are going to see doctors tomorrow because everyone's hurt. But Look, Nunez is a question mark. Where does he play, right? Because if you trade Pedroia, if you trade Bogart, in a piece, you know, then Nunez can play short or second, depending on who you get. And, you know, there's a lot of options there, and we'll get we'll talk about Nunez when it gets closer to that time, once the offseason really hits for baseball. But with that situation we just talked about, I want Stanton. By far, I want Stanton in a heartbeat. I think out of the three of them, I would take all three, obviously, if you can swing Machado too. But you don't need Machado, obviously. Um, you have Devers. I think Devers is a stud. Um, Bryce Harper's phenomenal, but Giancarlo Stanton is that impact bat that nobody wants to pitch to. You can pitch to Bryce Harper. As much as a scary thought, you can pitch to Bryce Harper. As a pitcher in the, in the American League East, if Giancarlo Stanton walks up to the plate with runners on at Fenway Park, you do not want to pitch to that guy. And that's what you need in this lineup. And look, he's a pipe dream, right? For most of the time that we've talked about it, because he's he's he loses all the time. He is in a situation where... You know, he loses all the time, and the team's bad, but like, it just seemed like they were set to him. They signed that extension. They want out of him. G- Jeter's group just bought that team. There's talks already. That he, he's come out and said it. I'm done with losing. If they go into a rebuild, I gotta, this has got to be figured out because I'm done with losing. That dude is wasting away in Miami. This is the time for Davey to punch a ticket and go down to Miami and talk to this team because, look, th- you're going to be giving up something in this situation, but you have players in the background to fill these holes if you have to trade Xander. If you have to trade Ben Attendee, if you have to trade some of these guys to get make them younger and to get Giancarlo Stanton here, I think the only guy for me that you do not touch, well, besides like Mookie, like the, that core guy, is Rafael Devers. 
If, if they ask for Devers, you work around it. But other than that, bye bye because you can fill in. Like a package with Benatendi, a package with Benatendi, Bogarts, and some smaller guys like Groom, whatever it takes at that point. You do it because then you can bring Nunez back, let him play the other position. Stanton needs to go to the outfield to replace them, and you slide everybody in the right spot, and there's your bat. It's hard to think uh, this team would trade Devers. I know that you know there's a reason they didn't before. There's a reason they didn't trade Benintendi either. And I think they will try to put together a package for Stanton, or a big bat, not necessarily Stanton, but I do think uh, a big bat will be at the top of their list. Obviously, I think it's going to come down to them giving away big names, Bogarts of Benintendi. Um, and then you think of the September call-ups. Blake Swihart played really well. Austin Maddox pitched well. Um, you know, you still have these guys in, in AAA who had the chance to call. You know, Devin Marrero isn't awful. I mean, he's not great. But, you know, then you have... Brock Defensively, Holt. he's great. I, I, I liked him oh, yeah. as a defenseman. He just can't hit. No, he can't hit. And, you know, Brock Holt, you can place that guy anywhere and mm-hmm. he'll play. But same mm-hmm. thing, he can't hit. So we have these guys where... You know, they don't really fit with our team, and they'd be good for a trade package, but obviously we need to get rid of that big name, Jackie Bradley Jr. I thought he was going to be traded this year. Trade yep. him next year. He's 25 years old, and he's... You know, big time potential. Great, yep. great on the base path. And, you know, I know he struggled at the plate, but his his defense, it, it you and, can't match it. And he doesn't even struggle all the time. Like, he's the type of player where he gets hot for a couple weeks. Ride 29 to, game hit streak. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So you ride you to, you ride you to those streaks, your defense makes up for the times you're not hitting... It's fine, and I think a lot of teams look at it that way, especially a team in Miami where you're trying to get young and rebuild. Um, you know, you know, depending on what you do at first base, maybe you give you give them Sam Travis and you keep Mitch Moreland, or you know, there's there's really a lot of options for a package that makes sense. I know people are saying, well, there's not a lot of prospects left. You're not going to give them all prospects for Giancarlo Stanton people. Like, if you really want that guy, you're giving people off this roster, which isn't a problem to me because you need to make changes. Because the lineup right now, if you come back, if you just fire John Farrell and come back to next year with the same lineup, you're not going past further than you did this year. Nope, not even close. And I think a big question mark, too, is Mitch Moreland. I, I think they only signed him to a one-year contract. Yep. And, you know, I know he played well here, but, you know, he's probably going to test free agency. Why wouldn't he? I mean, he had another good year. He had a lot of doubles. You know, he's Mitchie two bags over here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of question marks surrounding this team just with, you know, the infield, you know, you think, again, Nunez, Moreland, are we going to get Stanton? Are we going to have to trade away big name people? I mean, it's, it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be a very interesting off season just to see what gets done or even what doesn't get done. Yeah. And you know, too, Lauren, with the Mitch Moreland situation, and like I said, all off season to talk about this kind of stuff, but at the same time, he had an offer from Cleveland to take more money to play for the Indians. And he tor- turned that down, and I, remember, I didn't even know this was the reason until they, they said it during the broadcast. I think it was a couple games ago. He turned it down to play his games at Fenway Park. So he does have an attachment. He wanted to play here. He got to play here. And if he thinks that, you know, the moves they can make can get them back to where they need to be, they won the division. And players don't care about how often you win it by or if you almost lose it. If you win the division and you can bring that team back, a lot of players will look at that as a way of, I'm going to come back and let's do this, you know? So if they offer him an offer to come back for another year, maybe two years, i let him do it. If he can play first base and he can kind of hit and do it this year, I'm fine with that. If you have to put Sam Travis in a deal for Stanton. So Stanton's going to be the big name all offseason. I think that's going to be your number one priority, whether it be Stanton or some other guy on there on a roster where you can maybe go get away from another team who doesn't need him right away, who needs to get rid of some you know poundage in terms of salary. But I think Giancarlo Stanton's going to be uh, 
public enemy number one for the own Miami Marlins. They're going to try to get rid of him. That's That's got to be the case because he doesn't want to be there. They, they don't want him anymore. That money's too much, and they can't rebuild the way they want to with him on the roster. As much as Miami fans, actually, they really don't care. They're bandwagon fans. But look, if they want to be a good baseball team, and I, and I think Jeter's got the right idea. You know, the, He wants to build something down there. I think that's the way that ownership wants to go. By the time they do that, Stanton's not going to be there. So why not? You're going to get a haul form now because a team like the Red Sox need a guy like that. And now you put you give the Marlins list of players. You need to give them maybe Sam Travis. You give them Jackie Bradley, Xander Bogarts. You give them Andrew Rendetendi. You put all those young kids down in Miami, that's a team to go watch because that's talent that you're put, you're taking off a first-place team and sticking it in Miami. That's a quick rebuild for a team trying to shed some salary and still get some talent. Yeah, and I think Derek Jeter's the right person to do it. I mean, he knows obviously knows the game inside and out. And, you know, I don't know how he is in, like, in a role such as the one he has now. But obviously this offseason is going to show a lot. And it's not that, you know, I always compare Stanton to like the Larry Fitzgerald of the, the Arizona Cardinals in the NFL. Like, guy's just so good on such a crap team where it's like, give this guy a team where they – you that where he – they. They can get, make the playoffs, potentially get him a ring. You know, and that'll never happen with the Cardinals. It'll never happen for Fitzgerald probably at, at this point Sad. in his career. But it's Stanton's still young enough where it's like get this guy on a winning team, get this guy on a team where he is happy to play for. Not that he wasn't happy playing for Miami, but you know, just at this point, you he needs to make a lateral move. And whether that's you know the American League going into you know Boston, as much as I don't want to say it, the Yankees yep. or. You know, even like the Dodgers or the Nationals, something like that. Like he needs a team that's going to do more for him as a player and as a person. Yeah, and, and I look at that situation too. You know, maybe you, you know, Mike Trout's in the same situation. He needs to get on a winning team. Dodgers almost made the playoffs this year, but they're getting older, and he's going to have to go through rebuild again if he stays there. So maybe, maybe you call the Angels and just see what it would take to pull Trout out of the out of uh, out of L.A. You know. I would love Trout on this team. That's a that's a long shot, but you know names like that you have to start considering because that's what this team is really need. You know, you think about the NBA comparison as a, as a Boston fan, the Celtics were one piece away even with Hayward signing. You get Kyrie, and now you're a team, right? The Celt- the Red Sox are practically there. You have Hanley, Hanley's basically Gordon Hayward. You have pieces around it. You have a really good team. Go get Kyrie. Bring bring that stud to Boston, and that now we're talking. Because as much as I thought this team was good this year, and we all kind of sat here and thought maybe they can go to the World Series, I look at a team like you know the Celtics, who are not obviously the favorite, like the Indians are, right? And it's in this comparison I'm trying to make here. They they are a favorite, and they are truly supposed to be there. The Red Sox aren't really supposed to be there the way the lineup's constructed. We all wanted them to be there, or we all thought they might because of what they did. But at the same time, Houston finally had a good year, had a good year again. They bounced back. They they kind of surprised all of us because Houston was garbage last year. They didn't do well. And we thought, okay, there goes the Houston experiment, whatever. And then they came out of nowhere. You know, Keiko was healthy this year. They bring in Verlander. And they were that team that took that Cleveland Red Sox thing out of it. Because if it wasn't for the Astros, it would be the Red Sox and the Indians. Yep, absolutely. And I, I remember saying, you know, last year and the year before, people aren't going to take Houston seriously in the American League until they do something. And here they are doing something and people are starting to take them seriously. And, yep. you know, it's the one thing that I can root for Houston is obviously, you know, they had the the huge hurricane devastation down there. So obviously, you know, the power of sports, we've seen it here in Boston. We've seen it with the New Orleans Saints. So we know the power of sports is something that people 
just kind of come together for and it's something they just kind of use to get away from everything that's going on. So, yeah, I can take Houston seriously now because they're starting to really form themselves as a team, but now they're kind of coming together for their whole community. So it's it's hard to root against them at the same time. You're just like, oh, screw you. You kicked us out of the playoffs. (laughs) We're not going to be happy. Houston, fun fun young team, right? They they built the draft. They were bad for years, and that's kind of what brought it off. So I love that Beltran came full circle and is back with them. That's a great story for him to potentially go for a ring. This is the first ALCS appearance ever for the Houston Astros. So obviously, you know, they're they're finally proving it. And who knows, maybe they are playing the Yankees in the ALCS because, you know, we'll get to that in a second. But the Yankees forced the game five tonight. So Red Sox season's over. It's kind of depressing. And now we have to worry about, in this town, we got Patriots, Bruins started, Celtics around the corner. So a lot to look forward to. And, you know, as the winter progresses, as these shows progress, we're obviously going to talk a lot about offseason because, it really does depend on what they do with John Farrell and, and take that first step. Before we move to around the rest of the playoffs, Lauren, just curious out of you, back to John Farrell for a second. When do we when do we first hear rumors about John Farrell? How soon does something start to spread? Uh, probably tomorrow. Love I it. mean, Love it. Let's you, do it. you think, you know, the players already, you know, but Pejoria's comment today, I think, you know, it's, it's really going to start tomorrow. Obviously, I don't think any moves are going to be made until after the playoffs unless Dombrowski comes out and says he's our manager, blah, blah, blah. And I know that Dombrowski and Farrell both said they are unavailable to speak to the media tomorrow. So, you know, give or take maybe Wednesday. Rumors were really stark, but I think, you know, Dombrowski will do what he did last year. He'll come out and he'll say where Farrell stands with this team. I think it's me very, we're going to find out very quickly Farrell's role next year, whether it, he's on this team or not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we know how Dombrowski is. He doesn't screw around. He's very right to the point. So I think, you know, I mean, rumors have already been swirling around Twitter, like he's gone, fire Farrell, blah, blah, blah. But I think, you know, real rumors start floating around, you know, tomorrow, Wednesday. And then after the playoffs is when they're going to start heating up. Oh, I hope it's sooner rather than later. Even if they don't fire him, I just want him to sweat it out a little bit. Can't wait. I hope they do. Obviously, I hope they fire him. You all know that by now. But um, look, there's other baseball going on. We all know that, you know, most people like ourselves here, Lauren, we're going to watch the rest of these baseball games because we love baseball and it's going to be very depressing when it's over for the winter. So Red Sox are done. Astros are moving on to the ALCS. They're waiting the Indians-Yankees series. Yankees did what they're supposed to do, Lauren. They're, go, they're going to a game five in, in Cleveland um, coming up here. They win 7-3 to three at home. They did what they're supposed to do. Tanaka pitched a gem. A gem in Game 3. Severino came out and pitched a gem in Game 4. Game 5, back in, at home for Cleveland. I think the Indians finish it out. Lauren, I do. I think the Indians go home. They take care of it. They play the Houston Astros. Either way, ALCS is going to be fun to watch because the Yankees, honestly, as a fan here, the Yankees are a good team. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun to, uh, to watch all these series. And especially with the Yankees, you know, they're down... Oh, two. And then you just think like, you know, oh, Cleveland blew a 3-1 lead, no matter like what sport you are. It's just, like everyone comes back to, you know, Cleveland blowing the lead from last year or two years ago. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously that's probably still haunting them, but it's fun. It's always fun to watch a team come down from 0-2, tie the series and make it a one-game playoff all over again. And no matter who Houston faces in the ALCS, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. You know, you have Aaron Judge, you have Jose Altuve, or you have Encarnacion, or maybe, but you have, you know, Jay Bruce, Corey Kluber. You have so many fun players, regardless of who gets into that ALCS against the Astros. So it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a 
I think those games are going the distance, and especially in the ALCS, that, that's going the distance, no doubt. Whoever it is, yep. And, you know, just from, I just, I don't know. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I wish the uh, Dodgers and Diamondbacks series went a little bit differently. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, I know that that game's in progress right now, but I don't think Diamondbacks are coming back from that. But it's going to be a really fun World Series, and I'm starting to believe that more and more with, all the games I've been watching. Yep. Um, story of these postseason has so far has been terrible starting pitching for the most part. You know, it's starting to get better as of late. Um, the matchup that looks like it's set up for uh, Wednesday night for that 8 o'clock game, uh, game 5 at, in Cleveland, is CC versus Kluber. Now, I hate to say it, that's going to be fun. That's going to be a pitcher's duel. That's, it should be a pitcher's duel if they both show up. It's the way CC's pitched this year. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to the road uh, he, and wins that game. But, you know, that's going to be a fun game to watch. Um, the Cubs won today, so now you're looking at a situation where they go up two games to one against the Nationals. The Nationals are starting to slowly choke away this thing again, um, and I know we've talked about that. I picked the Cubs to win the series. You guys didn't. Hopefully that proves out to be right. Um, and then you look at the Dodgers series. They're up two games to none. Diamondbacks, they're up one nothing right now. The Dodgers are in the fifth. Um, and you have these series. This, this postseason has been exciting, if not anything else, and Lauren, looking at this series here in terms of, I want to talk about the Cubs National Series for a second. What do you think is going to happen here? Because it looks like, to me, the Cubs are starting to hit their stride again. And Yeah, they didn't have a great year. They won their division, 92 wins. Still a great year, but they're, they're starting to hit their magic a little bit here. Yeah, and we saw that tonight. You know, they the series was tied at one, and they ended up winning and taking that 2-1 lead. And, you know, obviously a 2-1 lead is huge because then um, you only need one more win, but... I mean, I, I said the Nationals were gonna. I think I said the Nationals were gonna sweep the Cubs as my like show shocker, but you know, I I think the Cubs are gonna. I think the Cubs are gonna take this. I I mean, I hate going against what I originally said, but now watching the series and kind of watching the Cubs really come alive and kind of see a spark from last season, kind of just seeing that this year, it's kind of hard to go against them at this point and. You know, I've been wrong a lot in this in this series for all of, all, all my predictions, so might as well just keep being wrong. But <laughs> I think I think the Cubs are going to come back and just not come back, but I think they're going to they're going to take this from the Nationals. I think they're going to end their their playoff dreams. Yeah, Nationals are terrible. They always gag it away, and that's part of the reason why I think Bryce Harper's going to leave when he's free agency because he just can't get it done in Washington. I think as much as they are a powerhouse. He's going to see the bright lights in New York, and he's going to run. And that's what's going to happen. He's going to go he's to the He's going to see the dollar signs He's going to see York. the dollar signs in New York. He's going to see the bright lights in New York, and he's going to run hard. Okay, before we leave, I have to ask you, because I know it goes against everything we want to talk about here, but the Yankees are coming up against the Indians. I want to know, because it's the American League, who's playing the Astros? Who wins that game? Because that's going to be a duel. And I want to know, Lauren, who wins that, uh, that game five in Cleveland? Um, I'm going with the Indians. I think home field advantage is huge, and especially in a, in a one-game playoff now at this point. Um, I just think I don't, I don't think the Indians are going to sit there and be like, all right, we let them take two. We're not going to let them beat us on our home field. I think they have more heart than the Yankees. I think they have – I just think they're they're ready. You know, I, I don't – couldn't say the same about the Red Sox and them – if they forced a game five, I would have been like the game five in Houston. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling that way with the Yankees going to Cleveland, like, Oh, game five in Cleveland. It's, I don't think the Yankees, they're going to make it interesting, but I think the Yankees don't have a chance. Yeah. I don't, I think the Indians win, you know, Kluber came up and pitched like crap 
uh, in that game one. Um, and, you know, he only went, what, two and a third innings and gave up a couple runs. And actually, six runs. I lied. That was a lot of runs. Uh, he, he did some damage in that game, Lauren. And I, and I think this is the type of game where he defines who he is. He's a great pitcher. We know that. And this is the type of bounce-back game that he has. And the Indians are the best team in the American League by far. I think I think if, you know, if they do play the Houston Astros, they go to the World Series. Um, and, and that was a prediction that we talked about, obviously, last week as well. But I think Kluber is going to be too much of the Yankees. Don't get me wrong. I, I subtly am rooting for the Yankees to win. I, I wouldn't be mad if the Yankees won, only because it's giant, you know what, to uh, the Red Sox organization and what this team and just show the Yankees are there. The Yankees are back, and I think even if they lose this game, it show the Yankees are back. They hit lightning in a bottle this year, but I don't think it really is. I think they figured it out. I think the Yankees rebuilt their team very a lot quicker than they thought. Now Joe Girardi might not be the manager long term in New York, but. That being said, I think the Yankees are back, and you know, part of me wants to see the Yankees go to the ALCS because the giant, hey, Red Sox, screw you, you might have won the division, no one cares, we're in the ALCS, and that might be a quick wake-up call because ownership doesn't like the Yankees, we all know that, no one likes the Yankees in that Red Sox leadership, so it's just a matter of maybe they need that, maybe the Red Sox need the Yankees to go win a World Series this year, I don't think it'll happen, but in as much as it hurts us to say that as fans, the deeper the Yankees go the more urgency it puts on the Red Sox. So it might be a good thing for a year to be tortured by the Yankees. But, um, Lauren, we'll leave it at that for the week. But overall, disappointing the season's over. Oh, I'm heartbroken. I'll be sad for the next three months. <laughs> uh, winter meetings right around the corner. Spring training, only a few months away. Um, look, we're excited to obviously see what happens with this team. And, you know, next year you're going to get David Price healthy. Steven Wright's back. The rotation hopefully comes out to what it was supposed to be. Um, highly doubt Fisher's on this team next year. But, you know, there's a lot of opportunities for this offseason, but something needs to be done with this team because right now the way you're constituted, you're going to be – you might be able to win a division, but after that you're going to start getting bounced in the first round. And this is a, this is not a trend that we like here in Boston. So, uh, Dombrowski, if you're listening, fire Farrell, wake up, go trade for Stanton. Let's put some fans in the seats next year. And let's, want to go, let's go win a World Series title with Chris Hale on the roster. I appreciate it if we do that. Uh, at Red Sox beat under, uh, Red Sox underscore beat on Twitter. Uh, Facebook is Red Sox beat podcast at CLNS media. Facebook, same thing. iOS, Android. Don't forget to rate review and subscribe to us on iTunes as well. And if you're on FanDuel, use the code Red Sox beat. You're going to get your first uh, play for free and it's worth it. Trust me again, bots lineups are not fun, but you can reset it every week, which is a good time. Uh, we'll be back next week. Myself and Lauren, Jess, honeymoon, week, take two, week number two. So we will not see him next week either. Who knows if we have someone on with us. If not, you know, Lauren, fireside chat with you. It's great every Sunday, Monday night, whenever we decide to do this. Uh, until next week, that is Lauren. Red Sox season is over. It's okay. Enjoy the postseason baseball. There's plenty of it left to enjoy. And uh, we'll be back next week. <laughs>